excited uh, today that we have Pastor Ed Callens with us. He is from uh, Wasilla. He's from a- Alaska. I almost said Africa. I was looking at John's Africa shirt earlier, and I almost said Africa. He's from the polar opposite. <laughs> He's from Alaska. And, uh, man, we're just excited to have him. He is, uh, there's a lot of things. You know, when I was telling you that he was coming, I didn't give a lot of accolades because I believe that we can uh, look too much at what he's done and not who he is in the Lord. And uh, God has used him tremendously. Uh, one of the things that just blessed me as we were coming in today, he was uh, telling me that he was uh, in, went to Arizona, Arizona State, and uh, in what year, 1980, what? The, uh, the Olympic, uh, 1984, he had the privilege of leading the relay team, who was? U.S. Olympic relay team to the Lord. Not one or two of them, the team. And I'm like, come on. And at the time, his pastor was Pastor, pastor Tommy Barnett. And I've shared before about how God used him to really minister to my life because the message, the miracles in the house. And he talked about every time you step out in obedience, your area of influence grows a little bit more. And I'm thinking, Ed was there, a student at, at school, and led the Olympic team to the Lord. I said, bro, your influence got a little bigger. He said, yeah, a little bit. So it's bigger today because he's in the big town of Gibsonville. Come on. So no further ado, Ed, come on up, brother. I'm excited. Thanks, man. God bless you. Shabbat. Do I say hi, y'all? Is that, is, that what, is that what I do? I like to, I need some help. I need um, another music stand because um, I'm like baby Huey that's been sent out of the nest. I was a pastor, now I'm traveling. And I feel like the most unorganized person in the planet right now. So, but it's all good. Um, my name is Ed Kalmans and um, I'm from Alaska. I was raised pretty much in New Jersey. Any Jerseyans here? Forgive me. All right. <laughs> Amen. Right? Where? Where is there? I'm from Somerville. So, and um, I'm married with children. <laughs> seven children. It's cold in Alaska. Anyways, <laughs> seven kids. <laughs> and so. Um, my wife sends her greetings. Her name is Robin, and my children. I have th- four boys and three daughters. I have a daughter getting married next month, and uh, beautiful young lady, and um, such a testimony, a warrior. Um, I would tell my daughter Gail. Her name's Gail. I said, Gail, you're the perfect son that every father wanted. She's the one that when I hunted the moose, she gutted it and cleaned it. Seriously, we caught 300 red salmon. She cleaned all of them. All of them. Do you understand? When my sons played football, they did not want her to play because she hurt them. You know, that's, she's, I'm, I'm looking, my, my sons used to play football, then they became musicians. And nothing wrong with being a musician, but they just didn't want to do that anymore. I mean, my kids were, I'm just, I'm just blessed to have healthy children. So, Age 25 down to nine. So, <laughs> bless me. Yeah, I need that. I take that. I take that. 
And um, we were called, you know, in 1999 to go to Alaska to take over a church called Wasilla Assembly of God. And little did I know that the Vice President Pick was sitting in the audience. And that was Sarah Palin. And uh, I remember when I got voted in, you know, I'm not a stargazer. You know, in other words, I just love people. You know, that's the bottom line. I love people. I want to see people equipped. But I remember one of the elders leaned at me after I got voted on. He leaned over me on the platform. He says, the mayor of the city is here. And I go, where? Well, back there. And back there, I saw this guy weighed about 300 pounds. said, well, that's the mayor, right? So I called for the mayor. I said, I'd like to have the mayor come down, and we just want to pray over you. Up comes this beautiful lady. I go, I said, the mayor. You too pretty to be a mayor. You can't be the mayor, you know. And so um, we prayed over her and just for God to really establish the town. And um, it was a privilege and honor. And then, of course, when, um, you know, she was picked to be vice president, she texted me really quick and she says, you won't believe this. Because a year and a half prior, we prophesied that God's going to send her to Washington, and we knew it. And, um, and, and uh, three days before, no, I forget, two months. You know, after seven kids, you just don't know timeline. You know what I'm talking about? It could have been yesterday, but the Lord gave me a dream that she was going to be selected, some very important position. And then when she... Um, you know, pulled up to the church and we're, you know, getting ready to start, you know, our master's commission graduation. And all of a sudden I had a vision. I said, her car became the, the barricade for the president's car. You know, I said, wow. I said, Sarah, God's got some big stuff for you. So, you know, we're, we're friends and, um, you know, we, we love her. And just let me say this. I just want to say this and then we're going to pray. Is that cool? I don't put a lot of faith in politics. Our faith is in apostolic houses. In other words, the reason the condition our nation that's in, it's not because, well, it is who we elected. It's because of the lack of apostleship, the lack of apostolic churches, churches that are very apostolic. That's why our nation is in the condition that's in. Because um, you love the Lord, but um, loving the Lord and then being equipped are two different things. And so apostolic houses where they express all five-fold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, uh, when all those giftings are expressed in one building, then we are equipped to change a nation. Amen, right? And so what happened, though, um, you know, over the course of history, um, you know, I've been in the ministry since 1983. Um, what happened is we start to serve the system instead of serving Christ. Now, it's okay to have church system as long as everything we do is, uh, is unto the Lord. Amen, right? And so where people are connected to the head, Jesus, and then from the head, the body is supplied with nourishment. And so when we're connected to the system, we become a headless horseman. Dress for war, but no personality. And so what the Lord is doing is bringing back uh, burning hearts to say, you know what, God, the system's good, 
and I, I applaud, you know, denominations and everything. I really do. I mean, there's some good things about it, but I miss you, Jesus. Something's missing. And it's, I'm not here to preach against or anything, but I just see the Lord stirring our nation back once again because once the church puts faith in politics, the Lord will lift his anointing off that church. I believe we got to send people in the political arena. I believe we got to send them in. But let me just say this. If we're getting our information from the news media, you're misinformed. I'm telling you right now because um, I, I could say this with authority. I say, you know, um, but they're not our enemy. The people themselves are not our enemies. But if you, it's like Mark Twain said, you know, when, you know, when Sarah was picked, we had 70 news media at our church. And, and within our little town got inundated with the world. And they said, okay, let's find the church and slam the pastor so we can make her really weird. Trust me, that's what they do. They will give a truth, and then one truth is mentioned, then it's bent, then it then becomes, then becomes a lie. It starts to get bending. If you're in, in the news media, just let God use you to be a person of truth. Come on, amen, right? A, a person of truth, and let that anointing have its effect. Because you're kingdom people. So anyways, um, and I've, I've seen a lot of, 70 I mean, Iraq news was there. Iran news. Iran. Iran. Iraq. I said, you're our enemies. What are you doing here? You know, are you, I was afraid they're going to bomb the church. I mean, I mean, I was like, you know, they were nice people. We ordered them pizza and everything else. And the first, and the first thing they asked me was, I mean, they didn't ask, you know, what's your name, where you're from, um, how do you know her? And think. The first thing they asked was, does she speak in tongues? They want to attack the Holy Spirit. Because once we start to be ashamed of the Spirit's moving, we lose. We, we, we lost. We, why have church without the Holy Spirit? And, and I'm not talking about a certain manifestation. I'm talking about what does he want? You know? <laughs> and so I looked at him and I said, and I mean, I was surrounded. I said, I sure hope so. You need to ask her this. Now, I already know, but I just said, I hope so. Well, Why? Because if she prays in tongues, she's getting the wisdom of heaven that our nation needs. Do you speak in tongues? I said, absolutely. And I did it for three hours before the service today. Well, why? And I said, this is a news, he's from Newsweek. And I said, because I could have prayed for your life to be saved today. And I don't even know. Shaba. <laughs> so... And so anyway, so we had to, I had to tell the, I just want to say this as a testimony. Is this okay? Because I believe God wants to um, thrust us once again, you know, in front of the media. You talk about the shame thing, you know, you talk about shame, lies. I couldn't believe, I, they, I actually, I couldn't, I'm stunned that it's legal. It's legal for them to take a sermon and cut and paste it. 
and add words to my lips that I never said. I saw it on CNN. I couldn't believe my mouth dropped. I went, really? That's allowed? No, I couldn't believe it. And that's when with authority and with, you know, not to get mad, you know, but um, we started seeking the Lord as, as leadership. And we said, Lord, you said you prepared a table before us in front of our enemies. And I used to think the table was for our enjoyment as believers that we could feed from when the table is for you to serve them the presence of God. So we were a very prophetic church. We, we believe in the prophetic. And I just, I unleashed the intercessors and the prophetic team. I said, you are released to prophesy over these guys face to face. I mean, I'm talking, you are released. I mean, and so I said, okay, we're going to greet, you know, and said, but few of you are going to be spoken to by the word of the Lord. And God really loves you. And man, I mean, telling you, I saw news guys going like this, you know, <laughs> you know? and people getting rocked because it wasn't the information that they were giving them. It was the presence that was in their words that started to change their hearts. You know, they were bringing God's world into their world through a prophetic, presence-filled, mouth-filled person. Isn't God good? But let me just say this. Um, you know, uh, I, Mark Twain said, if you read the news, you're misinformed. But if you don't read the news, you're uninformed. <laughs> In other words, I really want to encourage us um, as believers in the Lord to really have the spirit of discernment whenever you um, start praying for the political in your city and, and everything else. You really start really having discernment and um, to really ask the Lord, Lord, I ask you for the spirit of truth. Come on, right? And then uh, and that we would infiltrate what we call, you know, I'm sure you've said it here, the seven mountains of influence, where we just don't corral ourselves in church, but we are sent out from here into society to affect change. How? By the hand of the Lord upon you with wisdom. Amen. And so um, I believe that's what God is really um, desiring to do. But Sarah Palin is the real deal. She seeks the Lord very strong, surrounds herself with people who really love the Lord. And I'm not here to promote her or anything, but she's just a person too. You got it? And so, and if you don't, you know, I had people curse at me, spit at me because I was her pastor and everything else. And I mean, I was, in, I was just going to a bank in New Jersey. Oh, you're from Mosella? <laughs> you know, yeah. I hate that girl, <laughs> you know, but she used more choice words than that. I says, you know, my faith, you know, we love her and everything, but our nation has to be in the hands of Jesus Christ, not, you know, and men and women that are surrendered. Because I don't know who's in here today. I don't know what teenager is in here today who is desiring to see change. 
But all I know is I didn't know who was in the audience in 1999. And I didn't know 10 years later something was going to happen to that one person. I had no clue. But all I do know is that the Lord desires that we do have boldness, that we do have confidence. Come on, amen, right? And, and that we rest in the presence of the Lord and to really be a people of truth. <clears throat> you know, things are true, but it may not be truth. It might be. Anyways. So it is so good to be here. And I want to call upon the name of the Lord right now. I want to pray. And, um, and can we all stand for this? Can we do this, right? And I just... So thank you, uh, Pastor Todd and your wife. I'm telling you, you guys are precious. I mean, I just want, I asked them, as soon as I got in the Jeep, tell me your story. Where'd you come from? Who are you? And my goodness, you guys have somebody that is very humble in the, in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord is really going to, um, uh, for every, you know, like my wife said, you know, I'm the neck that turns the head. Just remember that. And so you did a great job with your husband. You, the, you know, the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. You know, no, kidding. that's what my wife says to me. My wife, you know, she grabbed the mic. I remember the first time. Yeah, I said, I influenced my husband. The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. You know, and so anyways, I want to call upon the name of the Lord. Can we do that right now? So, Father... I want to thank you for the river, church. Holy Spirit, thank you for the river, church. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for sending Todd and his wife here, Pastor Todd and his wife. Father, I call upon you. Right now, I call upon you, and you said you will answer us, and that you will tell us great and mighty things that we don't know. So, Father, I decree, and it is written, that you would give to us the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of you. God, I pray to you that the eyes of our hearts would be illuminated with understanding. God, I pray that you would graduate us from the head knowledge to the heart knowledge. God, I'm asking now for the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to rest upon us. I pray that our eyes would be illuminated, fascinated, captivated, burning with desire that we may know, that we may know by experience, that we may know by encounters what is the hope of your calling. Father, I'm asking you that our eyes would be illuminated, our understanding would be illuminated that we may know what are your glorious riches of your inheritance that are inside of us, God? So wisdom and revelation connect the dots. Cut away lies that's hurting us. Cut away the lies that we're not experiencing your love in. In the name of Jesus Christ. Wow, okay, you could look at the person next to you and say, I think you're glowing a little bit better right now. Just say, then you could be seated. <clears throat> well, thank you um, for that. Is that okay to do? I'm, that's what I was called to do. But um, anyways, I travel full time. 
and the Lord, um, how do you know, how many people ever gone through a season where you felt something of the Lord that you're supposed to do, but you're not sure it's Him, right? And then what you want to do is you want to be careful to obey the Lord. Um, it's almost like, you know, when you first get saved, how many people, and especially older people, and I'm in my mid-50s right now, um, but when you first get saved, you know, you, you're out there and you say, man, I'm going to win the world. My, by God, I'm going to win the world. When I first got saved, I, mean, I led a lot of athletes to the Lord because I ran track for Arizona State University and just seen a lot of people get saved. So I'm going to win the world, man. And then five years go by, and then all of a sudden you get a little bit reduced. You go through trials, and you say, God, I want to win our nation. God, I want to win the nation. I pray the United States just use me to win the nation. Then five years go by, more trials. God, I want to win my state. God, I'm asking you that my state would be one. Just use me to win. I have enough for my state to be one. And then years go by, you get a little bit more. God, I want to win my town. God, use me to win my town. I'm here to win. I have enough faith to win the town. I want to save the city. God, and then all of a sudden you go, you know what, Lord? Just save me. I got to get saved. You know, I just, I pray that I'm just staying saved. Come on. Who could relate with that? You know, and, and the Bible says, you have weakened me along the way. See, God's not looking for people that are strong. He's looking for people that are dependent. Amen. You know, it's like this, who is this Hosea? Who is this leaning on her beloved coming out of the wilderness? You see, every trial is not to beat us up, but it's to make us the more dependent. You see, God, you know, so how do you know that when we are weak... We are strong. They didn't say he, but we. When we are weak, we are strong. And we say, when I am weak, I am strong. Isn't that awesome? And so, even, you know, you get married, you know, like nitro meat glycerin, you know. You go through marriage trials. Then you start having kids. They're beautiful when they're babies. <laughs> you want them to talk and run. When they get older, you want them to shut up and sit down. You know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying. And um, I mean, you know, believe me, I, I love children. If you're a child, you'll know what I'm talking about after you have, when you have children. But anyways, um, but the Lord... I, I, I've been traveling a lot. I've been traveling now for a year, one year uh, this week. This week was my birthday. And um, when I was, I told my, I was telling my children that, you know, we're pastors, and it was a great church. I mean, we, I mean, Wasilla Assembly was a powerful church, just because we didn't want to reach people with the wisdom of men. We wanted to reach people with the power of God. Come on, you know what I mean? We don't want to be seeker-friendly. We want to be seeker-powerful. We just want the power of God to encounter. And then we'll explain to them what happened afterwards. You know, it's like, you know, their minds think, this is crazy, but their heart is saying, this is right. You know, there's a tension between the two worlds that when you reach the spirit of a man, like what happened to me when I was... 
um, I picked up a hitchhiker. And I said, hey, could I feed you? Yeah, you can. So I took him to, not McDonald's, but like a four-star restaurant. I'm talking a very expensive restaurant. You know, he smelled and everything else. And, and so I walked to the desk and I said, table for two. I said, I'm a Christian. I'm trying to get him saved. So give us the best table. So he gave us, a, he goes, he was a Christian too. I'm like, thank God. He goes, I know what you're doing. You know what I mean? And so we sat down and um, didn't know anything of the Lord, just want to talk to him. And then um, I said, can we pray over our food? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I take off his hat. And all of a sudden, I started calling upon the name of the Lord. Jesus, I call upon you. Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. And all of a sudden, he started going, you know. He's sitting there, you know, going like that. I said, more, Lord. You know. And I said, Father, just bless this food. And he was like, what's happening with me? What's happening with me? What's going on, you know? And his mind is saying, ah, this is dumb. But his spirit man was becoming alive with the presence of God. Come on, amen, right? So we cannot let rest on the wisdom of men. The church have leaned on too much on the wisdom of men. I understand about secret friendly. I understand all that. But do you know that doesn't bring lasting change? Faith. So that their faith will not lean on the wisdom of men. Faith will not lean on knowledge and smart stuff, but on the power of God. And so the church is realizing this. Come on, isn't it church at whole? Isn't that really cool? And when worship's coming, I mean, um, I, you know, like worship. I mean, you know, we were crazy, just like you guys. We had a house of prayer for six years. And sometimes the house of prayer team, they're not, they're not remembering that this, they're saying, oh, yeah, this is a Sunday service, so we got to cut it back a little bit. All of a sudden, they get lost in the spirit, and all of a sudden, they're like prophesying. The worship team's going. They're forgetting they're, they're not at the house of prayer. You might making sense, you know? And so, um, and then I thought, okay, well, you know, let's see where this goes. And then watching people who don't know the Lord, because we have a lot of people visit and everything else, just suddenly, you know, they're changing. See, we're not, re we're not singing worship songs. You're releasing your revelation of who he is. And then, therefore, it's changing the atmosphere in the heart of a person. So, where are we currently? And, and again, just a few places I've been to. I feel like the Lord um, has us in a place where we are needing to be alone with him often. Um, because I told my children we could lose a church in a day, but we will not lose the presence of God. And you know what? That prophecy was fulfilled. I lost the church by one phone call. One phone call cut off me being a senior pastor, I'm talking one call, you're done. What? Why? You guys know what I'm talking about? You know, the betrayal thing starts rising up. I go, what? We're, you're done. 
no pay, no severance pay, no back pay. You're done. You're cut off. So what are you going to do? Well, because, um, did it hurt? Yeah. I mean, it was a battle, and finally I just gave up and said, you know what? You could have it. It wasn't the members. It was the denomination that was coming from. So you could have it, you know. But the first thing I had to do was go to my secret place. Because the Bible says in the book, why don't you turn to Psalms? And I'm going to um, encourage you. I want to exhort you for a second here. Um, Psalm um, whatever. Just open it up. If you're close, you win. And Psalm, um, <laughs> Psalm 31. The Lord really loves you. <laughs> Do you know that? God really, 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 really is crazy about you, and he really loves you. That ought to be the shouting, shika, boom, boom, yes, he does. You know what I mean? Um, God really, really, really loves you. You know what book in the Bible set me free? The book of Leviticus. You know that law, sacrifice book? Do this, and I'll forgive you. If you don't, you die. That book showed me the heartbeat of the Father's love for us. I saw Jesus in every verse in the book of Leviticus. It was a supernatural revelation. I saw Jesus in the entire Old Testament. I saw Jesus. And it set me free. You know, the, what we have today is what's called the New Testament. But the disciples back then did not have the New Testament. They had the Old Testament. And can we find Jesus in the Old Testament? Can we know how to preach the gospel from the Old Testament? That freedom, amen? And so I feel like we want to be strong in scriptures, but it says right here, Psalm 31, verse 20. I just want to talk to you today. You know, this ain't preaching, I'm just talking. Let me just talk until I start saying something. Verse 20, you hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of men. You hide them. You keep them secretly in the shelter from the strife of tongues. I really believe um, what's going on is I got to really quickly go through this. It's just a word of exhortation is that um, we are learning to go as individuals to find the secret place of the Lord from the conspiracies of men. This is why. Because the Bible says, you know, zeal, Psalm 69, zeal for your house has consumed me. Right? Therefore, I became a reproach of those who reproach you. Now, I want you to think about this. Zeal for your presence how many people love the presence of the Lord? All right, here's what's going to happen in denominations. When a pastor starts to shift the vision from this well-greased machine of system into the presence, there's going to be a whole lot of resistance taking place. Because when you have a church that is presence-centered instead of, you know, step one, step two, step three, 
instead of, hey, we need your money to oil this machine. But when it becomes presence-centered, get ready for the reproaches of men to reproach you because they're reproaching him. Romans 15 brings Psalm 69 over to Romans 15. It says, bear one another's burdens and you will fulfill the law of Christ. For it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach God. The word reproach means to chide, to hate, to um, not him, him being Lord, a distant relationship. Those reproaches of men are going to fall on the church. It, it, we're going to be hit with it. So when we get persecuted, you know, it's inevitable. Because why? Because God loves people. He's going to send you to the, the most wicked, twisted boss. You know, it's like one of my friends, one of the guys, Pastor, pray for me. I need a new job. All right. Guys, gather around. Let's decree. New jobs. And what we do, would we'll give that guy an offering. We would, you know, not an offering, but here, give him five bucks and decree. You know, just let him show. Let this five dollars, see what he does with it. Is he going to sow it in giving, or is he going to keep it for his own soul? Because the Bible says if you sow to your own flesh, you're going to reap corruption. So we watch him give. He gets a job on Monday. I'm talking the next day. And he calls me, Pastor, I got a job. It's from God. It's from God, you know, mechanic and everything else. And I said, where are you working at? And he told me the name of the place. I said, oh, I know that boss. He's wicked. He's twisted. This guy is a maniac. I said, buddy, God sent you. I didn't say a word. I said, yep. God gave you this job. Three days later, he calls. This ain't from God. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I go, what? He goes, this ain't from God. I go, well, what's going on? Well, he's really bashing me, man. I mean, he's like getting on my back. He's cussing. He's a liar. He's a thief. I said, perfect. <laughs> That's the will of God. He goes, what are we talking about? You see, how do you know that God doesn't give you a job so you could earn money? Money's a gift. He sends you to a place as a missionary to affect that world and make that business better. Why? Because he's going to send you to places and send you and I to places where the enemy has his way, but God's going to send you to bring the kingdom. I'm not talking about standing up and work going, you know, what'd you do? I prayed in tongues for you. I'm talking about where you love that boss how God loves him. And now I finally, I told him, I said, dude, God sent you. Did you pray for the job? Yes. Did you believe it was God? Yes. Now you're saying it's not God? Yeah, it's not, no, it ain't God, because I'm getting beat up. I said, no, that's the Lord. And I said, why don't you begin to pray and serve that boss and thank him that he hired you? He's giving you a paycheck, dummy. You know what I mean? It's like you prayed, and you got a great job. You're getting, you know, $35 an hour. And, dude, you better thank him. And, so, and he goes, oh, okay. He goes, to the, he thanks me. Thanks for hiring me. What the blankety blank are you telling me? You know, I just want to thank you for, you know, carrying the responsibility to pay me. He goes, yeah, whatever. Blank you. You know what I mean? And then he goes, he goes away. 
And then the boss whispered in the office. This is the boss whispered. You know, the guy in the church, he was kind of like the next room over. He whispers out loud with no one in the room. Gosh, I wish somebody would clean that closet. He just whispered it. He hears it. Maybe it was supernatural because there's a lot of noise. You know, his supernatural ears opened up. And all of a sudden, he heard that. And he says, and God says, clean the closet without him being asked. So he goes and cleans the closet. And the boss sees the closet. He goes, who the blankety blank, blank, blank touched this closet? What the blankety blank? I mean, he's just going out of town. And Joe is his name. And Joe says, I did. I, I cleaned it. Why did you do that? Because I heard you whisper you wanted the closet clean. Well, why'd you do that? <laughs> Are you a Christian? I mean, it's like, yeah, I am. And I'm praying for you. Oh, blank. You know what I mean? And it, Make a long story short, um, the guy, the boss, finally breaks down after about a couple months. He says, I don't know what you're doing, but it's starting to change me. Come on, man. He was doing his unto the Lord. That mechanic, Joe, was doing his unto the Lord. So we had a thing called the Master's Commission in our church. And so during the Master's Commission, during the summer, they had to work for a company for free. That's part of the training. Just serve the boss and learn. Well, after they graduated, um, you know, from the master's commission, then they got hired. So my son, my daughter, and four other guys from the master's commission gets hired at this other mechanic shop in the valley of Wasilla. And we, we taught them to pray for the prosperity and for God's blessings to rest on that boss and to rest on that place and see what God will do. So all the, out come these, these masters graduates who really learned the secret place. I'm coming to the secret place thing. They've learned how to come from the presence of the Lord and into society. Am I making sense, right? And so they're going in there, and they, my son went from on one day from changing tires to the front desk in one day. And so I, his name's Devin, and he says, Dad, I got promoted already. I said, well, what about the rest of them? Well, you know, they're with the rest of the mechanics and everything else, and they're not being offended. They're just loving on the rest of the mechanics. I said, then pray for prosperity. And long story short, they begin to intercede for the mechanics, for the prosperity of that business, for the increase of the Lord, because God's kingdom is not dry. And then that, long story, that, place became the number one tire sales on the northwest of the United States of America in a small community called Wasilla beat out Seattle Seattle shops the different shops that are in Seattle number one it got rewarded the boss said to my son what church do you go to he says well you know right up Wasilla assembly he goes I want to come he, he came right he comes to church. He gives his heart to Jesus Christ because it's the goodness of God that draws to repentance. Come on, amen. He gave his heart to the Lord. Is it, come on, let's give Jesus amen on that one. You see, a day's coming where we don't have to have organized evangelism, although I believe in feeding the poor. I believe in going door to door, but I believe uh, because we're going to learn the secret place of the Lord that you are going to act like people who've been sent into society to affect change. 
Why? Because the presence of God is upon you. But one of the secret things I'm seeing that I'm noticing is that we must discover on a day-to-day basis the secret place of the Lord so we could be hid from conspiracies of men. My son got hired at, at a state job, and two days ago he calls me and goes, I'm quitting. Here we go. Why? Man, the boss doesn't like me and blah, 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 blah. I said, Garrett, come on, grow up. Get the new key out of your mouth and, you know, pacifier and change your diaper and get back in there. You know, you know better, son. He goes, yeah, I know, but I don't like it. You, I, I said, son, you're self-centered. Everything's about you, isn't it? You know, I mean, I'm loving on him. He goes, Dad, come on. I said, seriously, Dad, uh, Garrett, his name's Garrett. I said, Garrett, just go back in there and just serve, man. Let him chew you up. But you know what's revealing to me? God's inviting you to the secret place of his counsel. Because your affirmation is not going to come from a pat on the back. It's going to come from him. First. Shaka boom. Amen. You with me on this? So I'm just having a little campfire chat. Finding the secret place of the Lord. Because you will hide them from the conspiracies of men and from the tongues of shame. The word shame means to be, to be blushing, to be blushed. And so God loves us. And I said, okay, Lord, you said that I could ask you to strengthen, you know, Ephesians chapter 3, to strengthen me with power through your spirit. So will you strengthen me with power through your spirit? Because I'm pretty weak right now. In my inner man, will you do that? I promise you God's going to answer that prayer. I promise you. He's not looking for strong people but people of resolve that will go to him through access of the blood of Jesus. Are you with me on this? And then asking him to strengthen you with power through his spirit in the inner man. Ephesians 3. Shikaboom. Look at the person next to you and say Shaba. All right. <laughs> Isn't God good? Say, turn to the person and say, God is good. It says in Psalm 29, verse 13. That's what I love about your pastor, Pastor Todd. When we had to drive an hour something. He goes, man, I'm doing all the talking. I said, I want to listen. I want to know. I want to listen to pastors and their heartbeat and their love for people. I want to know the love for their city. I want to know what his vision, where did he come from? You know what I mean? Tell me about your wife. Tell me about your kids. Tell me about every. It was, you talked all the way. It's almost like you, you need a friend. No, no, I said no. <laughs> no, but it was, but he, but he did say, all I'm doing is talking. I said, all I'm doing is listening, you know? And, um, so I, I learned some things. I said, whoa, that ministered to me. Whoa, that ministered to me. I mean, because I'm going through some stuff, and he's just, he's just filled. He goes, man, all I want is to have a church that knows God. Amen? That really knows him intimately, just really know him. Amen, right? Then it says in verse 13 of Psalm 29, oh, I would have despaired. The word despaired means without vision and without hope. Anybody there? One? Come on. There's got to be. God will give me a word of knowledge. I promise you. He will show me. How many people felt like 
27, 13, is that there too? Oh, yeah, Psalm 27, that's what I said. <laughs> you know, most pastors don't listen, at least he's listening, you know, <laughs> he's like, thank you for listening what I'm saying. Uh, that was a test on him, it really, it, you passed, you passed, you did it, way to go. I got to hurry up, don't I? All right, verse 13, I would have despaired or have no hope unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. I would have despaired or have no more hope in, in my marriage, in my child, in my job, no matter what, unless I had believed. So how does a person believe? You know, do you, you, you know, work it up? Do you, like, I believe, I believe, believe? You know, it's almost like an apple tree. You don't see an apple tree shaking, going, God, there's an apple. Well, that was a big one. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like the constipated Christian, you know. <laughs> there's love. Oh, boy, that was a big bomb, man. I was plugged up there, man, you know. <laughs> now, sometimes... You know, you got to force things out. But I'm talking where it becomes, I lost you. I'm done. Amen. Thank you. Here. You know, I could really go on that. I'm not going to. To where believing would become so natural like a river. This is called the river. You, the river, are people. It's the people that's the river. You know, and, and so I'm, I'm praying to the Lord, God, I want to have that as a natural thing that I don't have to believe, 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 you know. But I really believe because I got some areas of my heart that I'm in despair right now. And God loves honesty. You know, he's not going to go, huh, thanks for telling me. I didn't know that. Angels, I didn't know that. Tell me more. He knows. But there's something about weakness. There's something about brokenness that we come before him in presence as God, that hurt. So strengthen me with power. Come on, right? Through your spirit in my inner man so that Christ can dwell in my heart through faith. Ephesians 3. You guys with me on this? And the word dwell in, you know, you know, I like the amplified version, that Christ can feel completely at home for whatever he wishes. How many people desire that one? All right, lift your hand and say, God, I want that. Say, God, I want that. I humble myself, and I'm giving it to you. Amen. Um, I want to just give you one verse, and that... Uh, there's a lot I want to say. I'm, I'm thinking about the nursery workers right now. Because <laughs> I did that. Even though I was a pastor, I still did nursery work. Not because we needed it, because I felt like I just have to do it. I want to know what's going on and how things function. I'm not telling you to do it, but I'm just saying. And uh, boy, did I learn a lot. And finally, we had a tag team nursery workers. You know, you got the first half, you got the second half, and boom, there you go. We, you know, that answered the problem. But if there's anything that you and I have in common with, that you and I, is that we have learned to call upon the name of the Lord, and he answered us. I was sitting next to a plane 
by a, a Muslim. And I said, Jesus is alive. He goes, how do you know? As I said, he talks to me. Amen? He talks to me. And so, basically what I was saying to him, that I've developed a hearing ear, and he's alive. Now, I could have used, he changed my life, and he did. Uh, you know, we have a dream center in Alaska. He changed lives in the dream center. Uh, changed my life, my wife's life. Kids, I could use those testimonies, but I say, because he talks to me. He goes, does he talk to me? I said, yes, he does. Why don't you ask him? Now, I don't know what happened, but if you ask Jesus to talk to you, he will. Amen. Jesus is alive. First, look, to next, look at the person next to you. He's alive. Come on, amen. Let's turn to Jeremiah 32. And then I got to land the plane here. So I'm traveling full time. Thank you, Jesus. And I got to meet so many crazy people like you who decided we don't want system anymore, although it's good, but we want more. Come on, amen, right? It's not us and them. It's who's willing to get out to the wilderness to know him even more. And, but a line is being drawn. It really is. I mean, that's, the line is being drawn. But we called upon the name of the Lord, and he heard us. You guys, amen? So when you, when you call upon him, and, you know, when you get to the secret place, it's not so that you can get free from your circumstances, because you may never get free from your circumstances. You guys with me? You, you know, it, it, he wants to, but what if he doesn't? What if... What if he does, but what if things aren't lining up and you're still in the set of circumstances? Well, so when you come before him, I want to exhort you in the name of the Lord that the Father loves you and he wants nearness with you. But when you come before him, this is what I do. I put on, when I got, when I heard, you know, lost the church, man, my stomach, I mean, I was throwing up because I felt the demonic spirit on that thing, and I was puking and getting, I was like, oh, what happened? And, you know, it was on my birthday, they called in, happy birthday, you know, and so, you know, and I'm like, oh, I was, you know, just sick to my stomach, and, and I just felt like, you know, wait a minute, I got to go to the secret place, and then immediately, because, how would I say this, but without arrogance, but let, let this be a testimony, it's not an arrogant thing, because I've practiced his presence I was able to go to him and be free from that pain. Now, after I came out of the closet after three years, of the, you know, uh, three hours with him, did you feel the pain? Yeah, three years. I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> after coming out of that closet, did it hurt again? Yes, it did. Did you feel brokenness? Yes. Did you feel pain? Yeah, I did. So what did you about? I carried it a little bit. I prayed in tongues. I had to say, God, I give it to you. But I had to go back to the closet. Alone time. Putting on worship. Come on. Amen. Right? Not going to the vices of busyness. I got to worship more. I got to sing more. I got to pray more. No. Just come to him. Letting go of the busyness of Christian stuff. 
and just getting alone in his presence and say, God, I call upon you. Will you answer me? And then Psalm 69, oh, that you would draw close to my soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. My emotions were messed up. My stomach was turning. I didn't have the will to even wake up. The mind was, was drunk with speculation. Drunkenness doesn't mean drunk with wine or alcohol. It means to be drunk with speculations and lies and twistedness. So my mind was getting drunk. My emotions was in pain, and my will didn't want to seek the Lord anymore. You guys with me on this? Because if you're going to go for the presence, the reproaches of those who reproach God will fall on us. It's going to happen. That's why it says in Peter, don't be surprised when fiery ordeals come upon you. But rejoice. Make sure that your rejoicing is above your suffering. Shabbat? <laughs> so I asked the Lord, I put on worship, and you know, like from Bethel, you know, Bill Johnson's church, or, or IHOP, Kansas City IHOP, things that just focuses on Jesus. Then I backseat of my car, then I put my seat in my car all the way back, and I'm stretched, and I go, ah, I call on you. And all of a sudden, I feel his presence welling up, and he's taking me to a secret place, and he's taking me to the hope of his calling. He's taking me to my inheritance. He's taking me to the power. Then I come out of that. All these things reminding me. Pain, hurt, boom. Go back. You know the most depressed king there was was David. Can you imagine if David was a president? What would happen if King David was our president today? You guys with me? David knew how to run to the Lord. Why? Because in the pain and in the brokenness, we must welcome brokenness. We must learn to welcome brokenness. How do you know that Jesus still has scars? Did you know that? He's in heaven with the wounds that caused his death. Now, they're healed wounds. Why? Because he's embracing his dependency of being raised from the dead, and it's for all eternity for us to see his dependency on the Father. He's the lamb. The word lamb is mentioned more than the lion. Isn't that awesome? And so you may have some of the scars, but I want you to know God's not looking for strong people, but people that are honest, that know how to come to him, and I promise you, you will overcome your pain. You will overcome your brokenness. But brokenness is openness to the Lord. And in closing, I have 20 closings. <coughs> that's why we're like, I looked at him and said, are you my long lost brother? We, I mean, we sound alike. I mean, my goodness. I, I'm, I'm loving this relationship. You got, you're going to love my wife, by the way. She's very quiet, laid back, you know, very real. So you guys are going to get along really well. I want to come back again, but I'm just saying, I, you know, we're going to love each other. 
Um, what was I saying? Oh, my 20 closings? No, oh, that one. Remember, I'm closing number one. <laughs> you got them trained well. Good things the seats are cushioned, and that's good. I sat nine hours on an airplane, so I'm not going to, you know, anyways. My point is this. I feel like the more we practice his presence in our intimacy time with him, the more the celebration of this house is going to explode. Oh, yeah, I know what I was going to say. And then when the Lord starts ministering to him of himself, because the Bible says, Colossians 2, in him are all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom. You say, God, what do I do for the situation? It's in me. Well, God, what do I need to do about my work situation? It's in me, because in me are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, all of it. Isn't that awesome? So as you find the place of him, you will be smart. Um, and again, one of my, he's not a friend, but a friend of a friend. How's that? He works for a big CEO firm in Los Angeles. He gets hired. The guy's about like 32 years old. He gets invited to be part of the dream team of the executive table with the CEOs. And so here's 32 years old, Greenleaf, and everybody else is in their 50s on this dream team, but he's asked to be a part of it. Isn't that awesome? And there's been a corporation of about a couple thousand people. So it's on the top floor. There's one of the buildings in L.A., and they're sitting there, and the CEO comes in and says, okay, we have a problem with our company, and here's the problem. He's showing the graphs. So, dream team, what do you think we need to do? Listen to this. So first guy, he's 50s, he goes, I feel like blah, blah, blah. Next, I feel like blah, blah, blah. They're going around the circle. And then this young man, 32 years old, because he knew how to call upon the name of the Lord in private, he's calling upon the name of the Lord now on the table there of this dream team. He calls upon the name of the Lord. He says, Father, give me wisdom. It's all in you, because I hid myself in you this morning. Now I want to know. I want to know knowledge. Will you give me knowledge? And all of a sudden, the Lord downloads this this plan to get out of this situation. So his turn comes. He says, well, here's what I'm seeing. The problem of this was this, but I feel like if we could deal with that, and here's what I feel like we could deal with. I mean, he's just going on and on, and all of a sudden, everybody's stunned. It's like they're looking at him. He goes, what? And the CEO says, that's it. Now stretch it and make it better. I'll be back. So they stretched it, made it better, and these guys are looking at him. This gentleman, he goes, where'd you get that? He goes, I, I, I was just thinking. He didn't acknowledge the Lord yet. He goes, I, I was just thinking. I was just thinking about it, and I thought it was a good idea. Next month comes, another plan, another problem. <laughs> Everybody's going around the table. He, God gives them another wisdom, a download. He gives the wisdom on how to fix this management situation, and they're stunned again. They're like, where are you getting this? He goes, oh, I was just thinking about it. And now listen to this. Next month comes by. All these guys surrounding him. Are you going to do that thing again? me <laughs> out. He says, this is the story through Steve Thompson. Are you going to do that thing again? Well, what thing? You know that thing that you do. Well, what do I do? You know that thing. Stop it. Are you going to do that thing again? And you know what they were feeling? With the wisdom of God comes the presence of God.
and when wisdom comes from heaven, there is no confusion. Every demonic thing, James, wisdom from above is pure, peaceable. Come on, are you guys with me on this? So he's given the wisdom from above, not like, you know, how to fix a marriage, but how to fix this management issue. They felt the purity, the love, the peace of heaven coming into a room, which made everybody look at him and say, do that thing again. Well, that thing is God, but he still didn't tell them, I'm a Christian. He's not going to tell them I'm a Christian. He's going to wait for the right time. Just fix the company and let God use you. Are you guys with me on this? So in closing, <laughs> it really is. <coughs> I, I meant to say Jeremiah 33. 33, 3. Then <coughs> I really am done. I want to thank you for allowing me to come. It said this. Call to me. 33, 3. Call to me. And I will answer you. And I will tell you. Never say, I will tell you. I will tell you great and mighty things that you just don't know. God's not looking for strong people. Now, here's the dilemma. We know if God opens up a blind eye, you, you know, through you, let's say God uses you to open up the blind eyes you know you have to say, well, that was God. How do you know what I'm talking about? But the dilemma, I don't know how I'm going to word this, but the dilemma is when you're at work and wisdom comes upon you, you must treat it the same way as if you, God used you to raise the dead. Otherwise, pride will come on you if you think, well, I'm the one that made money. I'm the one that came with the idea. I'm the one that's successful. See, that's the tension. Amen? If you're a great mechanic, it's easy to fall into, well, that's not supernatural. Yes, it is. There's no such thing as natural world and supernatural world. It's all supernatural. And that's why tithing is so important. Tithing breaks pride, and it acknowledges that God gave you wisdom to make wealth. But when pride comes, so, well, I'm the one that, you know, I earned blah, blah, blah. No, that's not the truth. But call to me. I would say call to me. The word um, great and mighty is the word um, inaccessible. <laughs> now think about this. Call to me. I'm going to tell you things that are so out of reach, and it's beyond human comprehension. The word mighty things is the word inaccessible by height, and inaccessible by fortification. It is the word thing, you know, mighty things, is the word cut off, strong wall up, or to withhold, and you cannot touch. You may say, well, wait a minute. So what do I do? You see, the things you can't study for, it must be revealed. So when you're calling upon him, 
He's going to reveal to you what's from him that no matter how many books you read and how many hours you study, and you read the Bible through Genesis all the way through Revelation, unless it's revealed, it has to be revealed. Well, do I do nothing? No, you still seek, but it must be revealed through intimacy. Call to me, and I'm going to tell you things that are so locked up that I'm the only one that can give it to you. How many people want to position your life this way this week? How many people want to do that this week? All right, so Father, I pray to you for a strong groan to know you, to call upon you. Holy Spirit, will you teach us to call upon the name of Jesus? And Father, you said that you're going to tell us great and mighty things mysteries, things that has to be revealed. I can't study. It has, I want to know you. Come on, say amen. I want to know you. So, Father, I pray that the hunger you gave me that I could not even sleep unless I knew you. God, I'm asking you for that same groan. So, Holy Spirit, will you, in the name of Jesus Christ, work out their schedules in such a way that they're able to know the Father and that you go to the deep things of God. Why? Because I have not seen, nor ear have heard, even enter the heart of man, all the things, things that are locked up, stored up, and must be revealed. Therefore, I ask you, Ephesians 1.17, that you would give to them and us the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. I'm asking you for this in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said...